Thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. I left Kitchener, it was still semi-dark, somewhere between, somewhere between uh, Kitchener and New Hamburg. Uh, the, the, the color of the sky was just amazing, this pink hue and the frosty fields and the silhouettes of the trees. And you know, I, you saw, saw that, and you, you just respond by saying, thank you, God. I guess I should take my mask off. You respond and say, thank you, God, for your great creation. Well, it is a, a joy to be here uh, representing MCC. Uh, in these days of COVID, uh, we don't put out a display, but I do have some information packets uh, that have a copy of the annual report and some other literature. And I also have uh, three copies of the MCC calendar for next year. So if you would like one, come and see me really quickly after the service. I've been with MCC since uh, July of this year. And uh, one of the things I love to do is to see what connections I have with individual congregations as I have opportunity to speak and represent MCC. And I spent 20 years at Emmanuel Bible College in Kitchener. I've already run into one of alumni in Diane and uh, had two former colleagues who had connections here. Uh, Phil Wagler was the pastor here for a number of years. When I went to Emmanuel, Phil was on staff <coughs> um, in our student development department. And then Anita Bowles, uh, her maiden name was Gingrich. She grew up here, and I was here present for her father's funeral, uh, Calvin Gingrich's funeral, a number of years ago. So it's uh, good just to remember those connections and to, uh, to uh, celebrate them, and uh, I'm just glad to be here with you today. Let's go to the next photograph. I want to say thank you. If I say nothing else, uh, I do want to say thank you to you as a congregation for your ongoing support of MCC, including even this year, uh, including MCC in your Christmas uh, project. I've been in touch with Arlene about uh, sewing kits and some of you who are involved in that, uh, wanting to come to New Hamburg and, and pack those kits. And so those kinds of connections are just wonderful. And I wanna say thank you for your ongoing support in gifts, both financial and material, your support of other programs in MCC, including refugee sponsorship and probably a whole lot more as we go down through the years. And that ongoing support is just so critical for MCC in its work of uh, helping people in need and uh, doing relief and development work and peace work around the world. And so I want to say thank you to you and to Audrey for being the MCC rep and keeping everyone up to date. Let's go to the next slide. You are an important part in this ministry that we call Mennonite Central Committee. As we share God's love and compassion for all in, in the name of Christ by responding to basic human need and working for peace and justice. And as we come into this Advent season, I think that mission of MCC really stands out in terms of sharing the love and care of God to the world. And the joy that we have as believers 
as people who follow Jesus and sharing that joy with others in providing for their for people's needs as they uh, encounter different experiences. And as you know, MCC works in three main areas in relief work, in areas where MCC is present uh, to provide relief when there is a, a disaster of some sort, providing uh, working in projects and sustainable long-lasting development solutions, dealing with needs such as uh, food, uh, health, education, water supply, and also working in peace building, uh, providing non-violent solutions, bringing peoples together. It's one thing to be involved in relief and development work, but if there is no harmony in a community, if there is no peace, then some of those efforts are in vain. So working really hard at bringing people together uh, and doing that kind of reconciliation and uh, that kind of work. And over the last number of years, uh, MCC has continued to do its work both locally here in Ontario and around the world. And I want to give you just a couple of updates before we, we move into our sermon time. Let's go to the next slide. MCC has had a long involvement in the country of Haiti. And as you know, last summer in the middle of August, there was another earthquake in the southwest part of the country and MCC was able to respond. It was an earthquake that killed over 2,000 people, destroyed homes and buildings, leaving 650,000 people in need of emergency assistance. And the lady you, stand, you see standing in the, the slide, Prescone Roger, stands in front of her home that she shared with others that was uh, destroyed by the earthquake. And she was one in a number, uh, with a number of others in the village of Saint-Jean-de-Sous that received emergency aid from MCC. Uh, a couple of days before, uh, some of MCC's team was able to drive from the capital, uh, Port-au-Prince, down to Saint-Jean-de-Sous, and uh, just work with a local uh, partner in uh, setting things up for an emergency distribution of food. And that's, those supplies were flown in a couple of days later. The road uh, was uh, impassable just after the earthquake due to um, rains that came in a tropical storm just a couple of days after the earthquake. You, can you imagine that, trying to deal with the aftermath of an earthquake and then uh, a major tropical storm going through? But also a security issue as a number of uh, local gangs took control of the roads and uh, were uh, not letting traffic uh, pass. The local authorities were soon able to open the roads and uh, some of the traffic was able to uh, restart. But MCC worked with a local partner uh, Paul Shelterfast, MCC's uh, health coordinator, was able to be present at this uh, distribution of canned food and relief supplies. And uh, he quotes one woman who said to him, thank you for not leaving us alone. We felt very alone these last days, waiting after the earthquake, hoping someone would come, hoping someone would not forget us. So MCC was able to respond immediately, having staff and supplies already in the country and it continues to assess long-term needs and will work with local partners in the months ahead. Let's go to the next slide. MCC continues to work in the South American country of Colombia. And MCC has extensive connections and partnerships with both Mennonite and Mennonite Brethren conferences and organizations in Colombia, working in the areas of peace building, education, food security, and humanitarian assistance. The bridge you see in the photograph here is to the town of Andagoya in western uh, Colombia. 
And uh, in this town, there's a Mennonite Brethren Church that's very active in uh, working with MCC. In response to instability brought about by armed conflict to a number of communities along this river, the San Juan River, church leaders of the Mennonite Brethren Conference in Colombia founded a local organization known in English as the Weaving Hope Agricultural Foundation. And they were able to build a rice processing plant and uh, committed themselves to being able to process the rice harvests of local farmers. They, were also, they also were able to teach local farmers how to grow cacao. That's the plant that produces the base of chocolate. And the project that they uh, worked with, with the Mennonite Brethren churches and other agencies allowed over 80 farmers to gain technical skills related to the production, processing, commercialization of cacao. And the project fo focused on sustainable farming practices so that it would generate sustainable income for local farmers. And when COVID hit, this area was cut off from the rest of the country. There was increased violence and the local uh, partners there were able to take the next step and actually opened a chocolate factory. And so the farmers in that area can grow cacao and also produce chocolate to sell it for income so they can support themselves. Let's go to the next slide. MCC is continuing to work in the Democratic Republic of Congo. These three students here at the uh, front of the class, smiling, are, in part, are part of a third grade class in Kasai province. And these children represent uh, families that have been displaced by violence and other uh, experiences. And they were part of an MCC program for the support of displaced children. And MCC, in the, a number of years ago, was able to help nearly a thousand school-aged children across uh, access education through the partial payment of school fees and the provision of school supplies, including uniforms, notebooks, pens, and pencils. And if they could, I'm sure they would thank you and many others for the support of MCC's work. MCC continues, let's go to the next slide, through to support its work here in Ontario. As the pandemic uh, hit just uh, 21 months or so ago, uh, MCC quickly shifted gears uh, with local programs uh, that resulted in several successes and challenges, but also some of the work uh, was severely impacted. Some of the, th the thrift stores were closed for quite a number of months and then gradually were able to be reopened, but have uh, uh, transitioned through various uh, closures and so on. But some highlights in terms of MCC's work in Ontario over the last year or so, uh, being able to help a number of indigenous communities uh, access uh, culturally appropriate nutrition and affordable food through the supply of gardening kits. And a gardening program has been very much part of MCC's work with some remote northern communities. Uh, food security, food supply, food costs are a huge issue for many northern communities. This past spring, uh, 24 First Nations uh, and other organizations received emergency assistance in response to both fires and floods number of communities were uh, evacuated from their uh, locations and MCC was able to help in the provision of uh, hygiene response kits and uh, working with local leaders in those situations. And so over 4,000 emergency hygiene and uh, res pandemic response kits sent to northern communities in the midst of this health crisis. And over 2,500 comforters given to families and individuals, both in Ontario and overseas, 
reminding people that uh, there is care, there is love, there is uh, that sense of not being forgotten in the midst of their suffering. And over 2,300 relief kits providing supplies to families whose lives were di disrupted by war or disaster being gathered together in the uh, um, Material Resource Center in New Hamburg, packed into containers and then sent to various parts of the world. MCCs continue to work with sponsoring groups in the province in the support of newcomers to Canada. And uh, just a month or so ago in October, a number of families were able to arrive in Canada for the first time since the pandemic began and begin their, their journey as newcomers to Canada. And through other programs, MCC and staff and volunteers being able to walk with nearly 70 former uh, incarcerated individuals as they move back into the community. Let's go to the next slide. There are a number of ways to be involved, of course, in MCC and its work. And uh, I don't perhaps need to tell you as a congregation some of these ways. Some of you are already very much involved in support of MCC in uh, sewing and other uh, programs like that. But uh, to be uh, involved and informed, I think, is, is uh, so important and so necessary. Uh, this is Bill Brubaker on the picture. He works at the, the Thrift on Kent store in Kitchener. His job is to sort through all the books that come in as uh, donations, to get them sorted out so they can be put onto the shelves and sold. And as you know, the income from the thrift stores across the province is a significant part of the funding of MCC's work both here in Ontario and overseas. And one of the joys that I've found since uh, joining the, the, the staff has been the discovery of a podcast called Undercurrents, produced by uh, our MCC staff. It's just a wonderfully professionally produced podcast telling stories of people involved in the programs and work of MCC. So if you're a podcast listener, uh, check out your uh, uh, usual source for podcasts and look for undercurrents. And I think as you listen to that, you'll be not only informed, but you'll be inspired. And I hope through that inspiration, you'll be uh, encouraged to be involved in the work of MCC. So thank you for your ongoing support, for your commitment to the, this, this work we do as a family of Anabaptist churches across North America and indeed around the world to support relief, development, and peace work in the name of Jesus. And that flows out of who we are as a people, our theological commitments, our understanding of the gospel, and what it means to be followers of Jesus. As we move on this morning, I want to spend a little moment, uh, a few moments, thinking with you about the Christmas story, and uh, thinking particularly about the young couple that are central to the story of Christmas, Mary and Joseph. And so let me read some scriptures that just set the scene of their initial experience as they came, come into this story. Reading from Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the April Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, 
and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And turning back to Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, the experience of Joseph. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no martial, martial relations with her until she born a son, and he named him Jesus. This young couple, Mary and Joseph, they're young, they're betrothed or engaged to be married, and Mary is pregnant. And you can imagine for a moment the thoughts, the emotions that might have gone through not only their minds, but the minds of their parents and families when they found out that Mary was expecting a child. They were engaged, but they had not yet come together in marriage. They're probably from the same area, maybe even from the same village, and Mary is found to be pregnant. And that, would have, that knowledge would have come as a shock and it certainly is a surprise. And I can put my, myself in their shoes a little bit. I have a daughter who's engaged to be married next June. And uh, it would be a bit of a shock to think that she was pregnant. It does happen, I know. But it still would be a shock. And you can imagine in Mary and Joseph's context, their families, the questions that would arise, maybe accusations. Maybe the looks, the sneers, the anger, the, se the sense of frustration. Maybe the dashed hopes and dreams of both their families. There was only one explanation that made sense. And everyone is asking, how did this happen? And the answer that is actually true was not the one that anybody in their lifetime could have imagined. And it's outlined in the scriptures that we read. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we learn that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in Galilee to visit Mary. And Gabriel addresses her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. 
The Lord is with you. She is a recipient of the grace of God. And Mary, as she hears these words, is greatly troubled at the words of the angels and wonders what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel says to her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And Gabriel tells her she will conceive and give birth to a son. And she's, she's told the name that she will give him, to call him Jesus, a common name in the time, but one that contains the Hebrew form of the word saves. Angel tells her the son, this baby, will be great, will be called the son of the Most High. He will be given the throne of his father David and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And if an angel came to you and told you that, how might you respond? Well, Mary, in response, asks a very simple question. How can this be? I am a virgin. How can God accomplish this wonder? The logic of it doesn't make any sense. And maybe Mary begins to think ahead to when the time that she and Joseph would be together and they would be able to have a child and have a son together. Maybe this is where her mind goes. But God's plan doesn't involve Norman, normal human logic or normal human means. Gabriel tells her the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the power of the Most High will overshadow her. Her pregnancy will not be, will come about because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The baby will be a miracle, worked by God himself. And the angel tells her just to prove that the impossible can be come the possible. The angel tells her of her relative Elizabeth, also now pregnant in her old age. And Mary's response to this is very interesting and quite amazing. She says, I am the Lord's servant. And in that statement, submits herself to the outworking of the plan and purposes of God. May your word to me be fulfilled. And as you read on in the text, we, we discover that Mary rushes off to see Elizabeth and spends some time with her before returning home. Mary, of course, knows now that she is pregnant, but who else might know? As you begin to think about the background and what's happening in her life and in the life of Joseph, maybe this pregnancy becomes apparent to those around her. Swelling of the belly, morning sickness, some other signs of the pregnancy. My wife, when she was pregnant twice, lost the taste of tea. And one of her great joys in life, having a cup of tea, was uh, no longer possible. And her beautiful curly hair became straight over the months of that pregnancy. And maybe for Mary, there were signs like that. Maybe she went off her tea. I don't know. <laughs> but rumors begin to fly, perhaps, in this village or the villages in Galilee. And gossip may begins to spread. And maybe there's chatter in the synagogue and after worship. And eventually, as you begin to try to put the text together, it seems to me that Joseph finds out. Who tells him? How does he get to know? Um, it's conjecture. Maybe there's gossip. But put yourself in his shoes. He discovers his future wife, the, the, the woman he is betrothed to, is pregnant. 
and he knows it wasn't him. What's he to do? I can't imagine the, the, the frustration, the anger, the, the rage he may have felt, but he makes a decision. He is a man of action, and he knows because he is a righteous man, so the scriptures tell us he is faithful to the law. He knows that he, he must act. He cannot move ahead and marry somebody he thinks has been unfaithful to him. So he makes a decision. He is going to call off the engagement. He's going to divorce Mary. But he's also a man of compassion. And the scripture tells us he decides to divorce her quietly. If you understand the, the Old Testament law, you know that he has a number of options available to him. He can divorce her quietly, but he also has the option of doing it in a more public way, bringing shame and disgrace on Mary and her family. But he chooses the quieter private option that will allow him to divorce her with only two witnesses. And such an option leaves his righteousness and also his compassion intact. And I think understanding that just shines a light on Joseph that is so wonderful and so uh, attractive. And having made that decision, he, like his betrothed, has an angelic encounter. You ever notice in the Christmas story how many times angels appear? It really is quite remarkable to Mary, to Joseph on the night of the birth, and to the shepherds in the field. Uh, angels keep appearing. But not in the same encounter that Mary has. For Joseph, the angel encounter is in a dream. And in this dream, he is given a message by the angel that he should not be afraid to take Mary as his wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. He is told to the name he is to use, as did Mary, but an added detail. The reason for the name Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. And he awakens from, from the dream. He's been given clear instructions. He know, now knows that Mary's pregnancy is from God. There's no other person involved. He has decided on a particular course of action, but now faces a dilemma. To go ahead with what he had decided, or to go ahead with what the angel had instructed him. And so he does what the angel has commanded him. He takes Mary home as his wife. And we don't know what kind of wedding they may have had. Maybe what actually took place was very different from what their families would have planned and held. But one thing we do know is they do not consummate the marriage until Mary give, gives birth to the son and they call him Jesus. And somewhere in this time period, in these weeks and months after Mary is, becomes pregnant, news reaches Nazareth of a decree made by the Roman emperor far away in distant Rome. And the decree requires Joseph to travel to his hometown in Bethlehem for registration. He goes, and Mary goes with him. Maybe it's easier for them to go together than for Joseph to go as a member of his family and maybe leaving Mary behind. And certainly if they had left her behind, she would have found that difficult, being the butt of jokes and gossip. And the common image we have in our Christmas cards and stories of Christmas is they're reaching Bethlehem just at the climax of the pregnancy and Mary goes into labor and uh, I'm not quite sure it's 
quite like that. The text tells us while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. It suggests to me that they'd been in Bethlehem for at least some time. How long? We don't know. But they are there. And this young couple, they have submitted to the plan of God. They have obeyed what the angels have told them. They have obeyed the emperor's decree. And it places them in a particular location in the town of Bethlehem at the time the baby is to be born. The town identified even back in the Old Testament hundreds of years earlier in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that identified the, the site where the Messiah would be born. And here in this moment, this young couple in Bethlehem, in poor accommodation, we know that the place is full because of the registration and they find themselves in very humble circumstances. The, the divine plan of God works itself out in the faithful, obedient, submissive response of Mary and Joseph. As they obediently respond to doing what the angels tell them to do and following the directions of the state and arriving in Bethlehem for registration. God's servants surrendering to God's direction, bringing them to the place where the Christ child would be born. And as you ponder their story, as you think about their experiences, as you think about what it meant for them in their life journey to be betrothed together and to find out that Mary was pregnant, you have to be utterly impressed with them. For they commit to themselves, they commit to each other, and having had the experience of angels appearing to them independently, they respond positively. They agree to stay together. They will, they will pursue this course of action that they have embarked upon, and they will parent a child that is not of their union. And they provide for us, I think, a powerful example of what it means to obey God, of what it means to follow God. Their experience is a one-off. It's never to be repeated. But nevertheless, it does show us what it means to be God's servants, surrendering themselves to the plan and direction of God in their lives. And the child that is to be born, the child that we worship and adore, becomes the center of our attention at this time of the year. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Mary and Joseph. We thank you for them as a couple who decide to follow the direction that you have given for them through the appearance of the angels. We thank you for their willingness to submit to your direction. We thank you for their obedience. We thank you for their commitment to one another. And we thank you for their commitment to parent this baby born to Mary, but not of their union, this baby who becomes our savior, our Messiah. We thank you, Lord, for their expression of discipleship to us, of what it means to follow you. And Lord, give us the grace to be your humble servants, even as you give direction in our lives, so that we might bring honor and praise to you, our Lord and Savior. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.